Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we've got some well wishes to send out. What's in a name? A pretty tremendous episode of Dynamite. WrestleMania is inching closer and closer. And who is the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling? This is Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh boy, welcome everybody to episode 386. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. There's just been so much going on. Of course, if you're over on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube page, that's where myself, Sam Roberts, I post uh, I post stuff from the podcast in video form, but also lately there's been so much going on. There's additional content going up there. Stone Cold Steve Austin officially dropped a promo. Of course, Monday we end Raw with the Kevin Owens promo. I actually thought a decent story. Look, the story of how is this person going to find his way to WrestleMania it's been told before. I wish that there was a, a another story to tell there, only because we've heard it before. It doesn't. It, it's not a killer. It doesn't destroy anything. It's just not the most creative thing in the world to do. I think that that story. How do I get to WrestleMania? I think that it was quintessentially done by John Cena and the Undertaker. When John Cena said, there is no clear path for me to get to WrestleMania. And that's not to say, and this was what, WrestleMania 35, I want to say, in New Orleans. 34, maybe. Maybe it was 34. It was in New Orleans, though. It was the second New Orleans WrestleMania after WrestleMania 30, Yeselmania. Uh, but it was the WrestleMania before Kofi-mania. So there was Yeselmania, and then there was WrestleMania play button. And then there was WrestleMania Dallas, then WrestleMania 33 in Orlando. So WrestleMania 34 was this one that we're talking about, back to New Orleans. And then WrestleMania 35 was Kofi Mania. So at WrestleMania 34, the story was John Cena didn't have a clear path to get to WrestleMania. And that's not to say that John Cena couldn't have gone to WrestleMania. I mean, he's John Cena. He's been John Cena. He always will be John Cena. But you don't go to WrestleMania to just have a random match. You don't go to WrestleMania to have a random opponent. I think that that's the idea that they're playing with, with the idea of Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens winning the Raw Tag Team Championship, is that if they are the defending Raw Tag Team Champions, well, they have a clear path to get to WrestleMania. And even though they're two of the biggest stars on the roster, this, I don't know if you've heard, is the most stupendous stupendous two-night WrestleMania of all time. And with that said, there's a lot going on on this roster. All of a sudden, we're adding Pat McAfee, Johnny Knoxville, and what's-his-name, Logan Paul, to the WWE roster. Brock Lesnar's going to be there. Roman Reigns, you know, everybody's coming. At Ronda Rousey's back. Everybody's coming out of the woodworks to be a part of this thing. And so even though... Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins are two of the biggest names on the roster and two of the people that fans would want to see most, two of the people that were both featured at that giant Madison Square Garden house show. The idea is that if there isn't a grudge to be settled or a title to be defended, it is silly to think that a random mid-card opponent, without saying mid-card opponent, will be suitable for WrestleMania regardless of your spot on the roster. If you're Seth Rollins, you can't convince Vince McMahon to put you in a WrestleMania match against James Ellsworth. It's just to get Seth Rollins on the WrestleMania show. It's not going to happen. So, and you want a premier spot, right? That's what's being toyed with here in this story is that you want a premier spot. And theoretically, if you're a defending champion, you can argue that that's a premier spot. But if you're not a defending champion and you don't have a rivalry that needs to be settled, then even if you have a match at WrestleMania, it's not a premier spot. Like I said, the quintessential version of this story was WrestleMania 34, 
uh, when John Cena said he didn't have a clear path to WrestleMania. Without a title or anything, he didn't know where he fit in here. And so he challenged The Undertaker. And that was the WrestleMania where John Cena sat in the crowd. That was the WrestleMania where I stood six feet away from John Cena on the pre-show and said, action's on the way. And that was the WrestleMania when John Cena jumped out of the crowd, heard The Undertaker was there, ran backstage, threw his gear on, which technically he could have sat in the crowd in his gear. It is just jeans shorts. But when he was a fan in the crowd, he wore long jeans and had the, you know, 90-second match with The Undertaker. But that story going in was that the reason it was happening is because there was no clear-cut path for John Cena to get to WrestleMania. And so the fact that we're telling this story again now with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, I, I, I that's the one element of this that I wish were different. However, Kevin Owens, we knew it was coming. He's been insulting Texas for weeks now. He goes to the ring on Monday. He says, ah, forget Booker T, forget JBL. Shawn Michaels, he gives Shawn Michaels his props. By, you know, I mean, this is the heartbreak kid after all, but Kevin Owens, genius play, says being from Montreal, he couldn't with a clear conscience allow Shawn Michaels to share the spotlight with him for WrestleMania, which I loved. So he's calling out Stone Cold Steve Austin to be a guest on the Kevin Owens show. And 12 hours later, 14 hours later, no, it would be 13 hours later. That was the final segment of Raw. It ends with the glass shattering. The fans go nuts, but it's just the music. He's not there. We find out uh, that we wake up in the morning, Tuesday morning, and the announcement is made that at noon, there will be a response from Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I mean, what a cinematic response. Drone shots, sweeping landscapes, ATV vehicles, everything. And Stone Cold Steve Austin cuts a tremendous promo. And that's not Steve Austin making a video. That's Stone Cold Steve Austin cutting a promo. That, I think, is what makes this significant. That, I think, is what separates this tremendously from WrestleMania 32. It's that they're, for the first time since WrestleMania 19, new story has been added to the Stone Cold Steve Austin character. Even when Stone Cold was commissioner or, or sheriff or whatever his authority position was on Raw, it was still like Stone Cold just celebrating being Stone Cold. It was like every week a parade because Stone Cold Steve Austin is here. And God, if there was ever a wrestler that there should be a parade for, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Every week, yeah, I'll do a Stone Cold parade every single week. But... He, there's never been new story added to that character. And I brought up the YouTube channel at the beginning of the podcast because uh, I reacted live to the promo when it was dropped and really kind of broke down not only the promo as it was happening, but my feelings on it after the fact. Um, and I think that it's, you know, I, it's, it's really interesting because there's a lot of conversation about the fact that this is not being advertised as a match. But Stone Cold Steve Austin did use the word match in the promo. And he talked about, you know, confrontation, match, fight, whatever. You know, I mean, I, I think that that realistically, Stone Cold Steve Austin probably doesn't want to promise a match. Because again, his last match was the WrestleMania 19 match against The Rock. It's a great match. Stone Cold Steve Austin probably doesn't want to go out there work for seven minutes, never bump, and call it a match. So instead, it's the Kevin Owens show, and there's but there's clearly going to be a physical confrontation. Look, there's a big difference. The reason I'm excited for this is because they're actually promoting it as what it's going to be. That if you pay attention to the way they're promoting it, you should not go in there with expectations that there's going to be a match and a referee and all this stuff. But at the same time, You should not go in there thinking so low of it that it's just another spot like WrestleMania 32, the last time they were in Dallas, when Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and Stone Cold Steve Austin all came out together and just delivered their finishers. And it ended with Stone Cold Steve Austin dropping a stunner on Xavier Woods and having some Steve Weisers. That's not what this is. 
if you think this is Kevin Owens starting the KO show, insulting Texas, the glass shatters, Stone Cold Steve Austin walks to the ring, boot to the midsection, stunner, fingers, beer, everybody cheers. I don't think it's that either. And maybe my expectations are too high. But as of today, I'll be very disappointed if it is that. Because the clarification has been made that Stone Cold Steve Austin is bringing the character back. That This is canon. New story coming out. Because in the promo, he said that he's been living with the defeat of WrestleMania 19. And it's been grinding his gears ever since he lost to The Rock. And that means that he is not only coming back to WrestleMania to get a degree of vengeance against Kevin Owens for number one, talking about Texas, but number two, and this is very important, Kevin Owens on Raw called him out by name. So it's not just the Texas thing, but for Texas, for Kevin Owens calling him out by name and because Stone Cold Steve Austin needs some kind of measure of victory to make up for the fact that he lost to The Rock. This is all canon now. There was actually storyline being discussed in this promo. So that brought my expectations way up from that WrestleMania 32 spot. And I'm very, very excited to see it. I can't wait. Speaking of New Day, I want to... And by the way, you can get more feelings on that at at the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel. And you can watch me as I watch the promo. Um, But we do want to send out some well wishes today. Uh, Of course... We want to send well wishes out to Biggie. I mean, talk about scary. Of course, Biggie takes a suplex on the outside of the ring from Ridge Holland on SmackDown, uh, lands directly on his head, folds his neck all the way over. Uh, he's not moving, disappears for the rest of the match. You know, we don't see him. We see him laying flat, and then we don't see him. Kofi Kingston finishes it off, and it appears that they they take the match all the way home. Up until that neck spot, there were rumors going around that we were looking at fight night, which I guess is uh, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch, who we'll talk about in a moment, versus the New Day, uh, three on three, which could have been an interesting spot, but clearly that's not going to happen. The good news is that Big E released a couple of social media videos he put one out on Twitter on on the Friday night from the hospital, just letting everybody know he was cool. He showed that he had mobility of his fingers, he, that he wasn't paralyzed or anything. And it was like, OK, he put out a second video over the weekend where he talked about the fact that while, yes, he does have a broken or a fractured neck. You know, I think he fractured his neck in two places, which is a terrifying thing to even consider. But they said there was no spinal damage and there was going to be no surgery required. So look, I mean, the ball has been dropped on injury returns before and injury returns have been carried out to the fullest extent. The first thing that we can do is hope and pray that Big E recovers quickly and recovers fully. If you look on social media, and people talk about how toxic social media is. But let me tell you something. This is where Twitter is good. I don't think there could be anything better for Big E right now than to be laid up and looking at his mentions and seeing the outpour of support coming from fans, from peers, from people who are working for the competing wrestling promotion. I mean, everyone. You can tell a lot, and there is a lot of love, maybe more for just about anybody else. There is a tremendous amount of love and support across the wrestling industry and the fan base of professional wrestling and beyond for Big E. It seems like Big E has touched a lot of lives, both in person and through the magic of the screen, and that's all coming forward. I mean, he deserves all the support he's getting and more. He's just a gem of a human being. He's an incredible person. And I'm glad that he's getting it. And I'm glad that he has the ability to go on Twitter or Instagram or whatever and actually see these messages. He doesn't have to wait. I'm sure that whatever hospital he's at is gonna get flooded with get well soon cards. But to get that immediate support, I hope 
is very, very helpful for Big E. And I'm glad that he's getting it and he deserves it. We can also hope that when he comes back, everything that was wrong with the way that his title reign ended will be corrected. Because, I mean, I I think when, when Big E comes back, if done well, it can be Big E time. It can be time for him to come on. I mean, this can this can be the second wave uh, that Big E so rightfully deserves and that I can't wait to see. So, but that's all, you know, now we're getting into wrestling fandom, fantasy booking stuff in the, in, in the, in the, in the right now. Let's just all keep sending in positive uh, uh, thoughts, positive messages, and just hoping that uh, Big E gets everything that Big E needs. Another person that I hope gets everything that he needs and, and makes a full recovery. This is a scary one. Uh, Unfortunately, Scott Hall is on life support reportedly. Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, um, he's 63. He went in for hip replacement surgery last week uh, and he suffered a a complication uh, due to a loose uh, blood clot. And uh, I believe while he was under, I don't know if he was under or not to tell you the truth, but apparently he suffered three heart attacks on Saturday night and is now on life support. Um, Scott Hall is a complicated, complicated individual. Scott Hall has gone through some very, very dark stuff very early in his life. And I mean, it's the type of stuff that, traumatizes anyone and and I think Scott Hall dealing with what he's gone through is a process that we've all seen which is unfortunate primarily for Scott Hall that he that 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 he has to go through everything that he has to go through but there's also probably nobody that has fought through and pushed through more than that guy I mean Scott Hall is as brilliant a wrestling brain as I've ever heard. He just gets wrestling on a level like not that many people do. Uh, just from a fan perspective, look at Scott Hall's contributions. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a double era major contribution. First is part of the new generation. I mean, this guy came in, you know, he was the diamond stud in WCW. He had done some stuff in AWA before that. But he came into WWE in 1992 as Razor Ramon. And he's doing a Tony Montana Scarface impression. And immediately, because of his size, because of his look, because of his believability, and the fact that he was really smooth and really good in the ring, he gets put into a position where he's at the at, at a very high position in on the card less than 2 months I believe after debuting on television maybe 3 months at most he's main eventing the Royal Rumble pay-per-view challenging Bret the Hitman Hart for the WWE championship you know he went on to have his thing with the 123 kid he becomes a good guy after that and really Razor Ramon is one of the most iconic WWE characters of the early 90s what he did from the end of 1992 until 1995 is something that if you grew up around that time, the the screeching tires, the cool music, coming to the ring with the vest. he I mean, he oozed machismo, but just as cool a wrestling character as you can possibly get. The gold around the neck, the razor blades on the back that I didn't get until I was much older. And the matches that he would have, you know, the match that he had with Brett at the 93 Royal Rumble, the match that he then had with Brett in the first round of the 1993 King of the Ring in June. I mean, there's a ton of them. And then, you know, becoming a good guy. But then after he leaves WWE, he goes to WCW and does a whole, becomes another iconic character for another generation. I mean, Scott Hall cut the first promo. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And it started the thing that truly, the single angle that started the hot streak of the late 90s that was the Attitude Era, that put wrestling on the map to a place that it had never been before, 
was the NWO. And the thing that started that NWO angle was that promo. And even, of course, you know, the NWO really starts to take off after Hogan joins and Bash at the Beach happens and everything. But Scott Hall, Scott Hall was that dude. Scott Hall was that guy. I've gotten to uh, become, I would say, friendly with him over the years, you know, seeing him in different spots and having conversations with him and stuff. And, I mean, he has treated me so well, so incredibly kindly. And, I mean, just the fact that I've been able to pick his brain on wrestling stuff has just been an ultimate dream of mine. He's got one of the most iconic Hall of Fame speeches of all time. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. So let's last. Let's get through this thing, Scott Hall. Prove it. Kick out. We're all praying for you. Pray for Scott Hall. Keep him in your thoughts. You know, hopefully he uh, he makes it through this thing okay. Let's get into uh, wrestling. Let's get into, let's, let's enough of this real life stuff. Let's get into the fake life stuff. Forgive my interruption. Look, we all know confidence doesn't grow on trees, but that doesn't mean confidence doesn't grow. Yep, that's where I decided to go this week. Hey, listen, nothing will give you confidence like knowing you can satisfy your partner. That's why I come on this podcast every week and speak with a certain degree of confidence. It's not because I know anything more than anybody else. It's because I can satisfy my mate where it counts, and that's in the bedroom. All this sexy talk, if this isn't getting you charged up, there may be an issue. Luckily for you, Blue Chew is here to help. Yeah, Blue Chew the unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. Look, you can take them anytime. You can take them day. You can take them night. You can plan ahead. You can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Matter of fact, much like that opportunity, you can be arising. Hey, the process is simple. You avoid all awkwardness. You avoid all human beings face-to-face. All you have to do is sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. No awkwardness, no doctor's offices, no pharmacies. It's in discreet packaging. The mailman is not going to know. And best of all, fraction of a cost? How about no cost? It's free. Yes. Special deal for our listeners. You can try BlueChew for free when you use our promo code NOTSAM at checkout. All you have to pay is $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code NOTSAM, to receive your first month of Blue Chew free. Visit BlueChew.com, put in that promo code NOTSAM, and get all the details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, we were talking about SmackDown, of course. The question on everybody's mind, what's in a name? Seamus, Ridge Holland, cutting a promo, introduced the world. You may have known him as a different name, which I think is a good touch that they added because at least it acknowledged that Pete Dunne existed. Like, they're not totally treating us like idiots, but introduced him as Butch. We all lost our minds. Wrestling fans as a whole lost our minds because, again, it's like we're being gaslit. What? No, that's Butch. That's Gunther over there. That's Dewdrop. <laughs> you know? Okay, if you say so. Uh, Pete Dunn is now Butch on SmackDown. Uh, I think that the... the uh, uh, It's a bummer. The, the name Butch has stolen the headline that Pete Dunn has made it to the main roster. I personally think that should be the headline. Because I personally think that a lot of people, while they wanted it to happen, might have thought that it would never happen. And yes, he had to do it dressed as a cast member from Newsies. And yes, he had to do it under the name Butch, no last name. However, he's not from New Zealand. He's not a bushwhacker. And he made it, right? And he still, when we saw him fighting, he was still fighting like Pete Dunne. He's still portraying a tough guy. Look. I'm not going to defend it as if as if, as if it's the right thing. And we spent a lot of time talking about it on the Patreon exclusive podcast, Thursday, not Sam Thursday, that we luckily did on Friday night this week. So 
If you want all my thoughts on it, the Patreon uh, second show every week, uh, those are available for all the Not Sam shills at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. But uh, I I think that, that WWE, like WWE and AEW are just in two polar opposite places. This week aside for AEW, because this week they actually did a lot of angles, which I really liked, to tell you the truth. I actually liked this episode of Dynamite very much. But generally speaking, AEW is... Wrestling match, wrestling match, wrestling match, wrestling match, wrestling match, matches, matches, matches. When Tony Khan does interviews to talk about the promotion, he just talks about how many great matches they have and how many great matches that he's planning on having and all the different matches he can make. Matches, 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 matches. Whereas WWE is not in the matches business. The matches are just the way they tell their stories. Ultimately, WWE is in the IP business. And I think that uh, WWE decided that Dewdrop, Gunther, Butch. I mean, going back, Big E, Cesaro, all these names are names that they can develop IPs for, that they can develop characters around. You know, this is not unheard of. This It's not like, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, you weren't taking Ted DiBiase and turning him into the Million Dollar Man. You weren't taking Kerry Von Erich and turning him into Texas Tornado. Uh, Kurt Henning and turning him into Mr. Perfect. These are all wrestlers that wrestling fans already knew about and somehow had a new identity and completely over-the-top character when they got to WWE. That said, it's a different era. It can feel a lot more insulting to us fans because we're all so much more aware of who these superstars are. The internet has globalized everything. So there is no version of, well, this person was wrestling in a territory as a different name, and now he's Butch. So don't don't worry about it. It's like, no, we all knew who he was before he got here. And secondly, WWE, you own the territory he was working in before. He was literally on NXT. He was on NXT 2.0. WWE fans watch NXT. He's been on WWE pay-per-views. He's been in Royal Rumble matches as Pete Dunne. I mean, I guess that's why they go, well, we didn't mention, but his nickname is Butch, and now he will be known as Butch. What do you want? WWE, I think, is, is going back to the philosophy that took them to the dance in the first place, and that's taking these people and cr creating IP that they can then portray as opposed to just going out there and being wrestlers, which I get. It's just a, it's a, it's a different business model. I also understand how people can be like, what the hell? I'm, I've been watching this person wrestle. Now, the one thing that I think can bring us all solace is the fact that while, yes, it hurts our brains to see this happen, that I don't think there are a ton of examples of people really suffering because of the name change. You know, I when you look at Dewdrop, I don't, Piper Niven, Dewdrop, whatever you want to call her. I think she's defied expectations. I think that that most of us fans wanted Piper Niven to get to the main roster and do extremely well. And she was introduced as Dewdrop. And we were like, what on earth is this? But guess what? Dewdrop has done extremely well. Dewdrop, because of her skill level, has gotten over. She changed her name to get in the door. And once she got in the door, she got over, and now she's on pay-per-views having matches with the champion, and now she's on Raw having matches with Bianca Belair, and they're two, three-segment matches. I mean, this is what you want out of these people. If it's going to take naming Walter Gunther to get him in the door, and then Gunther is going to get himself over, God bless. I'm okay with it eventually. It just hits you in the gut when it first happens. It's like I saw in our Discord, people were like, uh, well, you know, they changed Cesaro's name to Cesaro. He'll always be Antonio Cesaro to me. I don't think so. Number one, because eventually everybody forgot his name was Antonio Cesaro. But number two, people thought they were nuts for naming him Antonio Cesaro because everybody knew him as Claudio Castagnoli. So if we got over the Claudio Castagnoli part to the point where Okay, I accept him as Antonio Cesaro. And then he just becomes Cesaro. Yeah, it takes a couple of weeks before you're like, what? Why does he only have one name? But eventually, 
You're like, yeah, that's just Cesaro. You get past it. You don't care about the name. Everybody was obsessed with Braun Breaker. When he came out on NXT in October, they were like, what the hell? I wanted him to be Rex Steiner because I read on the internet that he was going to be Rex Steiner because he's Rick Steiner's son and Rick Steiner's name is Rex Steiner, R-E-C-H-S-T-E-I-N-E-R. That's their name, Rex Steiner. That's why his name is Robert Rex Steiner. That's why his name is Rick Steiner. And then his brother, Scott Rex Steiner, came in and they said, well, if you're going to be his brother, he's already Rick Steiner, so you're going to have to be Scott Steiner. So they were like, great. Braun Breaker can be Rex Steiner. And then they were like, no, we don't own it. Or that's not the IP we want to create. We're going to call him Braun Breaker. And everybody was like, Braun Breaker, that's a dumb name. And now he's on the, the main guy in NXT. Everybody's looking at him like it's just a matter of time before he's a superstar. He's at main roster house shows this week. He just had his first match on Raw and, and he blew everybody away. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Everybody just knows him as Braun Breaker. It's just his name. It'll be fine. My prediction, Butch gets over. And if he has to wear a hat and call himself Butch, I don't care because I'm going to get over that. The part where he's named Butch, I'm going to get over. And the part where I'm watching this wrestler who I've loved for years dominate on SmackDown, that's the part where I'm going to be like, this is great. I don't mind. The cost of admission is not too great for me when I break it down like that. I get in the moment. I'm not trying to take your tears away. I'm not, I, I, look, this is how I process. I'm not as emotional as some people. Drives my wife crazy. When there's something that I don't like, I try to wrap logic around it. Once I can get my logic around it, I push it off. I move on to the next thing. I don't sit there and mourn unless it's like a dead relative. And if it's a dead relative, it better be a close dead relative. Not somebody that I see twice, you know, every five years. <laughs> It's got to, you know, but like, yeah, when they change somebody's name, I go, that's ridiculous. And then they go, well, why would that happen? Well, we're in the, we're in the, we're in the business of creating IP. They probably wanted to create IP. There are historical examples of it working regardless of the name. Okay. It doesn't bother me anymore. Moving on. That's me. I, I'm like Vince. Be, what did Vince say? If you lean into the negative, it becomes a double negative because now you're leaning into it and you have the original negative instead of eliminating both of them. I just eliminated two negatives. I would recommend you do the same thing, but hey, that's just me. I was happy, by the way, and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn. I mean, talk about somebody who is just a superstar. Sami Zayn uh, I bet he's having the time of his life right now. Uh, what an incredible performer. Somebody that can literally do it all. At some point, Sami Zayn is going to have to get his flowers because I don't think that people realize what a talent this guy is. He can do anything. This is a guy that was wearing a mask, sorry, spoiler alert, having ladder wars in Ring of Honor. This is a guy who was a babyface in NXT. This is a guy who was having a match with John Cena with a broken shoulder. This is a guy who had ladder matches at WrestleMania. This is a guy who's done it all. And now he's the shit heel who's doing like entertainment stuff, knocking it out of the park, knocking it out of the park, knocking it out of the park. He's even reinvented the wrestler talk show, finally. Finally, somebody's done it. It's not just some guy standing in front of a monitor with a microphone. It's a podcast. It's something modern. It's something that fits Sami Zayn's character. It's great. Everything Sami Zayn is doing is great. I love that he's leaning into this phone number gimmick. It's so smart. Uh, he realizes the opportunity that a match with Johnny Knoxville is at WrestleMania. And I feel like Sami is putting this thing on his back. And he is making it count. And he's going to get eyeballs on this thing. And people are going to remember this. He's doing such an incredible job, Sami Zayn. So props to him. Um, speaking of props, like and props to me. If you were listening to the podcast last week, I told you the move to make on NXT that last week was the move that they made. I thought that I think putting the NXT championship on Dolph Ziggler is the right move. I think that it will get more eyes on the product. I don't know how many more eyes, you know. But it will get more interest in NXT. Because look, at the end of the day, everybody in NXT is still new. 
And for the most part, like, there's a huge portion of the audience who just found out who Tommaso Ciampa is, which, by the way, goes back to the Butch thing, where there is a large portion of the audience that only will know Butch, that never have seen, well, that might be a little different. No, I mean, there's not a huge portion. There's a large portion, I will say, though, of the audience that has never seen a Pete Dunne match, so they don't know who Butch is. That said, there's a lot, I mean, so, you know, they know him as Butch. There's a large portion of the audience who just got to know who Tommaso Ciampa is within the last couple weeks, that the raw matches that Ciampa has been having are their first exposure to him. There is a a large portion of the audience. You're like, well, what about those takeover matches that he had in NXT with Gargano? Everybody watched those. Yeah, everybody watched those three years ago. There's new fans. Like, you would hope that within the last three years, some new people have shown up. There are a lot of people watching WWE today that weren't watching three years ago. One would hope. So if that's the case, you have to imagine that not everything has been seen and there's a lot and 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 part of the IP business that WWE is in and that they've doubled down on now is that they are appealing to people that maybe haven't been watching every minute of tape all the time you know they're appealing to the audience that's sitting there going like you're going to need to explain to me why this CM Punk Ring of Honor intro is uh significant please just tell me the significance of it don't make me google it Just tell me the significance. So there's a lot of people who are just now getting to know who Tommaso Ciampa is. That said, Tommaso Ciampa was one of the most tenured names on NXT. So if people are just getting to know who he is now, you have to realize that part of the thing with NXT 2.0 is that it takes a real hardcore fan to know who these characters are. They're reintroduced every show very well. You know, the amount of character work and vignettes that they do is good, but still, I mean, it's why WCW needed Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. It's why AEW needed uh, Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes. It's you need and Jr. You need established stars and established voices to let people know that this is a big deal. NXT 2.0, you know, aside from the uh, sporadic guest appearance, is really people that that. Even the most hardcore fans are still just getting to know. So the idea that from now until Stand and Deliver, Dolph Ziggler is your NXT champion. I mean, Dolph Ziggler is an established name. Dolph Ziggler is a former Money in the Bank holder, former world champion. Dolph Ziggler has credibility. I think there are people that will tune into NXT to watch Dolph Ziggler as the champion. And I think that's what they need as they're as they're going back to an arena for the first time since the pandemic. NXT, and it's 2.0, it's not black and gold, it's 2.0, but NXT Stand and Deliver is going to be at the American Airlines Arena. The tickets are on sale. They're uh, uh, a much lower ticket price than WWE, for example. Really, really affordable tickets. I think that's a smart move. Put out some inexpensive tickets for an afternoon show on Saturday at the American Airlines Arena, and you get to watch this NXT show. I don't know how many they're planning on selling. I I, I have no idea, but I'm just happy. I'm scheduled to be a part of that pre-show. So I'm just happy that they're back in an arena. Um, but I think that what you want leading to there is people interested in the television and Dolph Ziggler being the champion will do that. And I think you want to have a moment at Stand and Deliver. And I think that Braun Breaker winning the title back from Dolph Ziggler is a bigger deal than Braun Breaker successfully defending the title against Dolph Ziggler. So I think that's what I would expect at Stand and Deliver. And last week I told you I expected Dolph Ziggler to win the championship. And I was right. Um, uh, like I said, I was really happy with uh, Dynamite this week because of all the angles. I thought it was a very, very fun show. Book ended. I thought the Jericho, Keddy Kingston segment was great. Jericho turning on Santana and Ortiz. I'm glad Santana and Ortiz have branched away and are now going to be a babyface team that I guess are, I don't know if they're in an official faction or they're just going to be buddies with Eddie Kingston. But I think it's time for Santana and Ortiz to stick out of the pack in AEW. They're one of the best tag teams in the world. I love those guys. Uh, But yeah, having 2.0 join the Jericho Appreciation Society and the whole thing. Jericho is just, he's a million bucks right now. He's running on all cylinders. I I have a lot of respect for Chris Jericho and bookending that with Scorpio Sky winning the TV title and Paige Van Zant signing. I, I just thought it was a fun show. And I'll tell you who my MVPs of the show were. My I Regal. I mean, Regal was so good. 
Regal is so good when he's on the microphone. He's in such a good position. I love the Mox and Brian as a tag team together. I think that's awesome. And Regal is there as their manager. Like I hope that it I hope that it expands. And like people were saying that he went over on his time and I guess he apologized on Twitter for it. Don't apologize, dude. It was worth it. It was incredible television. TK really got him, huh? Getting that Jeff Hardy music. They got the Hardy Boys music, the original Hardy Boys music. How funny was it to see Jeff Hardy not only show up in AEW, not only show up in AEW with his old WWE music, but as Matt Hardy is getting his ass beat, Jeff Hardy is still taking his time in the aisle to do his dancing. Like his brother's sitting there like, I'm getting the life beat out of me. And Jeff's going, shut up, Matt. I'm going to get my shit in. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And honestly... Jeff Hardy made the right call. I understand Matt is going to take a couple more bruises, but Jeff knows he's going to be able to get him off him eventually. And those fans, you go to a building, you want to see Jeff Hardy do the dance. I think Jeff Hardy was right on the money. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens there. There's a lot of dream matches uh, that I think we're going to see. I think, you know, having more... Hardy, the Hardy Boys and the Young Bucks pick up uh, after what we saw right before the Hardy Boys got to WWE. I think, you know, the Hardy Boys versus uh, FTR. I think the Hardy Boys versus Santana and Ortiz. I think, you know, all these matches are matches that I want to see now. Obviously, we've seen some of them, but seeing them in 2022 is a whole different animal. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There was something that I wanted to talk about here today. And it was based on a quote because it really got me thinking. My my brain started spiraling and uh, it, it, it made me go, this is a conversation we need to have. Um, Hulk Hogan, a quote came out. I think, what was he on? The two-man power trip of wrestling podcast? Is that uh, what he was doing? Um, I don't know what he was doing. But he's, his quote was, in 50 years, no one will remember my feuds with Chris Jericho or The Rock. I, first of all, already, I think that's wrong. I think that they won't remember your feud with The Rock. But there are moments that live forever. I think when you look at Hogan, you know, the rivalries might not be remembered forever. But the moments will. I think Hogan-Andre as a rivalry will be remembered forever. I think, you know, Andre ripping the shirt the match at the Pontiac Silverdome, that gets remembered forever. I think Hogan versus Warrior WrestleMania six as a moment gets remembered forever. I think, I don't, you know, Hollywood Hogan leading the NWO will be remembered forever. I don't know that it will be the bash at the beach moment or if it'll just be the overall thing because Hogan and the NWO wasn't just that one moment. It was the, two-year run that they went on. But I do think that Hogan Rock WrestleMania 18 as a moment will absolutely live forever. You know, I don't think that the promos leading up to it will, but I think that that singular moment will live forever. But he says, uh, nobody remember that. People will mention my name because I was the greatest wrestler ever. I've been on TV for too long. Maybe I've been on TV for too long. I wanted to leave an unforgettable legacy, and I paid the price for this choice. In any case, I do not regret anything. I've had special moments and radically changed wrestling, as well as helping many people. Okay. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but this is important. I'm sure you know by now that Not Sam Wrestling is one of the longest-running wrestling podcasts in the history of the world, but what you might not realize is it's all because of the support of people like you. If you would like to keep continuing to support this podcast, you can do it for free. All you have to do is, first of all, make sure you're subscribed to the show and that you download the podcast every single week. Wherever you download the podcast from, make sure that you've left us a review and a five-star rating. Did you know you can now rate podcasts on Spotify as well? If you're listening on Spotify and you haven't yet, go over, give us a five-star rating. You want extra content for free? No problem. You can help us by subscribing to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling, where we post video content from this show every single week. And if you'd like to go the extra mile, if you're looking for even more content, if you want a bonus show every week, if you want to jump on Zoom calls with me, if you want to get the opportunity for merchandise, if you want extra video content, become a Not Sam Shill. Go to patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. It starts at less than a dollar a week. 
you can become a Not Sam shill. Hey, do any of it, do none of it, do whatever you think is right. But I appreciate your support and your continued listenership of Not Sam Wrestling. So I was thinking about this a lot and I go, the greatest wrestler ever. And I think that that's that's a title that Hulk Hogan has had since, I mean, WrestleMania 9, people were already saying, even before that, you know, I mean, you have to really realize Hulkamania really kicks in in 1984, 1985. WrestleMania 1, it's in full tilt. And people talk about the fact that WrestleMania 1 is if is the singular show that is responsible for WWE as we know it existing. And you could argue that WrestleMania 1 would not have been successful had it not been for Hulk Hogan as your main event good guy. And I think you would win that argument um, if you were making it. But, and so because of that, I think after WrestleMania 6, I think WrestleMania 6 was the first time Hogan attempted to pass the torch uh, and he came back. There, there were multiple times that he did that throughout his career. But I think WrestleMania 6, which was 1990, was when you really started thinking about Hogan in terms of legacy. And I think by WrestleMania 6, you realize that Hogan had done something that no wrestler had done before. And then when it didn't happen, when when Warrior at best maintained and at worst slightly dropped, or maybe more than slightly dropped, but didn't revolutionize the industry the way Hulk Hogan had, you started to get this feeling that it may never happen again. And so when Hulk Hogan came back for WrestleMania 7, that was probably the beginning of the idea that Hulk Hogan is the greatest wrestler to ever live and that there will never be another. And that's, I think, when this comparison started to be made that Hulk Hogan is the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. Uh, and and it's definitely a comparison that I would have made for a long time. Starting, I don't know, around then, I probably by the time I was 10, 11 years old. Pr- probably from the time I really started to learn who Babe Ruth was as a little kid, I was the right age to go like, oh, okay, well, we've got Hulk Hogan. Baseball has Babe Ruth. And I started, but I've, I've, I started really thinking about it this weekend and thinking that with as much time has, that has passed, is Hulk Hogan the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling? Because to me, Babe Ruth is Babe Ruth because uh, in a very simple statement, He's the greatest baseball player to ever live. And, you know, you could say, well, baseball was a different game. It was easier for him at times. He didn't have the same level of competition. Certain people weren't allowed to play. But at the same time, rules were also different. Uh, I believe baseball stadiums were bigger. Uh, We certainly didn't have the medical advances that we have now. Babe Ruth was doing amazing athletic feats, not only as a guy who was like a chubby alcoholic, but also didn't have access. I'm not even talking about steroids. I'm talking about just access to the doctors that people have access to now. So you can't really compare based on stats. You just, you you have to compare based on impact. And yeah, I mean, Babe Ruth became a household name like baseball had never seen the way Hulk Hogan became a household name like baseball had never seen. Babe Ruth wasn't the first star of professional baseball. Hulk Hogan wasn't the first star of professional wrestling. But it was, but but he transcended, and Hulk Hogan said in this interview that he transcended wrestling, and that's true. And base and Babe Ruth transcended wrestling, and that's true. But to me, greatness transcends time. To me, greatness transcends era. So I started thinking about other sports, right? And I started thinking about well, like. You could try to say, well, the Babe Ruth of of the NBA 
I don't know if you'd want to say it was, uh, I, uh, there's probably many people that you could say it was, but ultimately to me, it's Michael Jordan. And I think there are names that came before Michael that people would argue, no, it's this guy, it's that guy. But nobody achieved greatness on the level of Michael Jordan. And even now with LeBron James, there are arguments to be made, but ultimately because Michael Jordan achieved the level of greatness and made the impact that he did, even if LeBron James is able to, able to be as good as Michael Jordan, even if he's able to be a little bit better than Michael Jordan, according to stats, he's still not Michael Jordan. You don't ever look at Michael Jordan and say, well, he was good for the time that he was in, but that was a different time. You don't even really look at Babe Ruth and say, well, he was good for the time that he was in, but that was a different time. You look at what Babe Ruth did and you go, that is incredible. The reason that he was able to capture imaginations the way he was able to capture them was because that is incredible for any era. Pointing to where he's going to hit that ball and then hitting that ball where he points to doesn't isn't something that you go, yeah, that was cool when it was happening, but it doesn't really stand up to the test of time. You go, that's amazing. When you watch the Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary, you don't look at what MJ was doing and go, yeah, that was good for the period of time that it was in, but it doesn't hold up. You go, yeah, that's amazing. When you look at hockey and you go, you know, who is the Michael Jordan of hockey? I mean, I guess some people would say Gordie Howe, but probably Wayne Gretzky. Because Wayne Gretzky captured imaginations because of his level of greatness. Like it was just clearly inarguable greatness. And that's something that transcends every era to the point where hockey fans now will even read about what Wayne Gretzky did and said, yeah, he's the great one. So is Hulk Hogan the babe, really the Babe Ruth of wrestling? And I would argue that as important as Hulk Hogan was, and as much as he did, and as amazing as he was, right? Because Babe Ruth, you go, well, he's incredible. He was a pitcher first, and he was a very good pitcher, and then he was a hitter. He's unbelievable. Hulk Hogan had two incredible runs. Hulk Hogan had the Hulkamania run, and then he revolutionized wrestling again with the NWO. Unbelievable. Very few people can do what he did. But when... You read about Hulk Hogan when you look at his stuff. Do you have that sense of timelessness? There's a sense of timelessness with Babe Ruth. There's a sense of timelessness with Michael Jordan. There's a sense of timelessness with Wayne Gretzky. Do you have that sense of timelessness with Hulk Hogan? I would argue that Hulk Hogan is not timeless any longer. That there was, and maybe because he's been around for so long, it's it's sullied his reputation. Maybe because of everything he's done outside of wrestling, it's sullied the way people look at him. And maybe we'll think differently when he's gone. But as I'm thinking about it right now, if you were to explain what Hulk Hogan did, a lot of his great achievements, you would go, well, you have to understand that at the time, and right there, it's like, well, if you're doing that, maybe he's not the Babe Ruth of wrestling after all. Not to take anything away from him. He's still among the greatest of all time. He's still on Mount Rushmore. He's still Hulk Hogan. There's still never going to be another Hulk Hogan. But there's never going to be another Mickey Mantle. It doesn't make him Babe Ruth. So who is that guy? Who is that guy that you can categorize as the greatest wrestler of all time Somebody that 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 continues to influence people to this day. Somebody who who people look at and go, I still, still aspire to be that good. Somebody who you can watch now and not go, well, you have to understand at the time this was what was in style. I mean, there are a few people who you could talk about that. You know, I mean... Ric Flair, you know, that's what I thought. Is Ric Flair really the Babe Ruth of wrestling? But then I go, no. And I'll tell you why Ric Flair is not the Babe Ruth of wrestling. Number one, it's going to be tough for a heel, to, a, 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 somebody who's, you know, I know Ric Flair spent some time as a hero, but ultimately Ric Flair's legacy of, is of that as maybe the greatest villain of all time. But 
you can't be a villain in wrestling and be the greatest of all time, I don't think. A true villain. Also, the way I think Ric Flair's greatest contributions are outside of the ring. I think the, the, the mark, as good as Ric Flair is in the ring, his promos are what made him great. And I think that the impact that he's had on pop culture, the impact that he's had in hip hop, all of that, there are a lot of people who love Ric Flair that have never watched a Ric Flair match. That's just true. A lot of people who are big Ric Flair fans who would say, I love the nature boy, have never actually seen him wrestle. And I think that that's okay. But that's, and and by the way, matches are only one element of professional wrestling, but it's a big element. So that's why for me, Ric Flair is not the Babe Ruth. He's one of the greatest of all time. He's not Babe Ruth. It's not The Rock. Rock's career isn't long enough. You know, The Rock spent three to four years on top. The Rock is special. I don't even know who you could compare The Rock to, honestly. I mean, it's not, I mean, like The Rock is much, much, much more important than like Alex Rodriguez, for example. The Rock is still something, he might not even be comparable. The Rock is historically significant in his own way, but it's not a Babe Ruth type of way. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the next name that popped into my head. I started thinking about Stone Cold because it's not Sting. Sting is like, he's certainly a wrestler's wrestler. He's certainly a favorite of everybody, but he's not, I don't think Sting is, I mean, the fact that Sting is still going at the level that he's going at, it's hard not to call him great, but greatness is not a, a, a thing. When you're actually talking about greatness, that's not something that you can just pass around lightly. You know, Sting, Sting might be in that Mickey Mantle category. Sting, you know, is one of those classes. Sting is probably like a Gordy Howe type where it's like he's in that conversation for greatest of all time, but it's not Babe Ruth. It's not untouchable, you know? And I go, it could be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Definitely could be Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can still play Stone Cold clips and have people go, that's amazing, that's awesome. And there are people who want to be just like Stone Cold, you know? There are, uh, Kevin Owens has been doing a stunner and he was doing a stunner way before he had a Stone Cold match at WrestleMania. You could make the argument that it's Stone Cold. I don't think it is. Because Stone Cold Steve Austin is so unique that I don't know if he's as influential as you would need to be to be the Babe Ruth of wrestling. You know, I don't know. I don't, Stone Cold Steve Austin captured imaginations in his era. And it did extend, but I don't know if it extends to the point of true timelessness. To an extent, yes. But I'm not ready to call Stone Cold Babe Ruth I can't call John Cena Babe Ruth. That that has that comparison has been made before. I can't say that John Cena is Babe Ruth, and maybe it's because he came too late in the game. Um, you know, I I just yeah, I can't call John Cena Babe Ruth. The Undertaker is a conversation to be had, but I think the Undertaker is in a different category as well. I think the Undertaker is in the same category as Andre the Giant among the greatest contributors and the greatest attractions of all time. But that's a different thing. To me, it's enough beating around the bush. To me, the true, now that we're, we, we've, we've traveled as far back as possible, right? Now that we're years removed, decades removed from all this stuff. And I might not have seen it coming originally, but to me, the Babe Ruth, of professional wrestling is actually Brett the Hitman Hart. I just I I've I've come to this realization and I feel like the last two years I never didn't appreciate Bret Hart. But I feel like in the last two years I've developed this over the top appreciation for Bret Hart. Just the way I mean when you look at Bret Hart, I don't think anybody as even though he was literally called the excellence of execution. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I don't think that he got or has yet gotten enough props, as many props as he's gotten. I don't think he's gotten his full due. The matches that Bret Hart had, 
You can go, Bret Hart does not exist in any time period. Bret Hart is as timeless a performer as any wrestler has ever been. Bret Hart are the matches that you could play for anybody, wrestling fan or not, that could go, you know what, that was really good. You know, Stone Cold, it's like, there are some matches you might be able to play, but it's mainly going to be the in-ring segments. It's mainly going to be the promo. It's going to be the beer trek. It's going to be that stuff that everybody's going to be like, this is awesome. But there are very, very, very few people that have such a catalog of matches that you can turn one on, play it for a non-wrestling fan, And without qualification, just go watch how good this is. You'd have to be a real moron to not appreciate the magic that Bret Hart was making in the ring. Personally, I think that Bret Hart was way far ahead of his time. The stuff that he was doing in like 92, 93, 94. Bret Hart was just on some other stuff that I think people are just now starting to catch up to. But you look around and it's like, if there is any wrestler that people can still watch, I mean, this is a guy, you can put on a Bret Hart match from 1990, from 1991, and you can play it for a wrestling student today. And if they can learn how to wrestle like Bret Hart did in 1991, they're going to be ready to have excellent matches in 2022. There's no one else like that. There's no one else who when you get, and yeah, I mean, Bret Hart, and look, Bret Hart started out as not the strongest promo ever, but what I want you to do is take a dip into 1997 and, and, and take a dip into the personality and entertainment work that he did as the leader of the Hart Foundation and tell me that that stuff doesn't hold up. That stuff is incredible. All of Bret Hart's mic stuff from 1997 is as good as anything that you're going to get. That was the beginning of the Attitude Era. That was right before WWE took off on a rocket ship. But it's nothing in 1998, nothing in 1999. It's not better than the stuff that Bret Hart did on the mic in 1997. And there isn't anybody that consistently has better matches than Bret Hart. I don't know. I mean, Brian Danielson might be the only person I can think of since Bret Hart that has the ability to not only never have a bad match, but always have an excellent match. Bret Hart can have an excellent match with anybody. I think Brian Danielson may be the only person who's even in that conversation right now. But that to me is what made me realize that Bret Hart is actually the Babe Ruth of this thing. He's not just a wrestler's wrestler. He's not. Bret Hart goes way beyond pro wrestling. Bret Hart is a symbol for, for, I mean, on some levels, Bret Hart's a symbol for truth. Bret Hart is a symbol for hard work. Bret Hart is a symbol for, for, for busting your ass and just being better than everyone else. Babe Ruth did not look like the typical baseball player, even of the time. And Bret Hart did not look like the guy who was next in line to be WWE champion. But he was so incredibly undeniable that there was no other choice to make. And then they tried to take it back and they couldn't. They couldn't. They put the title on Bret. They were like, ah, let's try maybe Luger. No. They couldn't. Maybe Diesel. No, they couldn't. It was Brett. It was always Brett. It will always be Brett. There's nobody, nobody that's ever been like Bret Hart. And the fact is that when it comes to putting on, when it comes to matches, when it comes to a lot of the promos, when it comes to a lot, when you put on Hulk Hogan stuff, you go, you have to understand This was so big when it was on. You don't have to have that qualification with Bret Hart. 
You don't have to have that qualification with Michael Jordan. You don't have to have that qualification with Wayne Gretzky. You don't have to have that qualification with Babe Ruth. And because you don't have to have that qualification and because he is truly transcendent of era and genre, to me, going forward, my argument is that Bret the Hitman Hart is actually the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. If you agree with me, if you disagree with me, hit me uh, on my email, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. If you're a member of our Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, if you're a notsamshill, then uh, go ahead and and hit me in the Discord with whether you agree or not, or um, I'll probably put this up on YouTube, leave it in the YouTube comments. I appreciate you all. I thank you. We will see you next week. Oh, and by the way, uh, keep an eye out. I posted a preview for some new uh, Not Sam merch that is on the horizon. More info on that as the weeks progress. Appreciate you all. Uh, One more week closer to WrestleMania. Let's go. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.